to welcome to another episode of the Black Menaces Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Bird. I'm here with my co-host, oh. Mr. Sebastian Stewart Johnson. Yes, that's indeed. the government for y'all. The government name, full yep. government name. So we got Sebastian on. Uh, he'll be hosting with us for a little while. Rachel is uh, is taking a little break, you know, just enjoying uh, her 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 personal time. So we love her, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we're looking forward to having Sebastian on the podcast for a minute. And uh, today we normally do a minutes moment, but we have a minutes live in the studio. Yeah, someone yeah. who is living out the ministry, if you will. Hello, Miss <laughs> Michelle DeGeorge. Will you please introduce yourself? Hello, hello, you guys. My name is Michelle DeGeorge. I'm originally from South Florida. Uh, my parents migrated to America in 1979, mm, okay. so I'm first generation Haitian American. Okay, and I moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, June 2019. Oh, and yeah, recently four years. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an eternity. So, right. <laughs> Oh, well, we about to get into that. Yeah, so Anna was and you told me two, two times back speed. <laughs> oh, for real, four yeah. years. That's that's four years. years. That's I'm, I'm trying years. to get my. I'm earning my stripes right now. <laughs> for real, for real. Cool, cool. So. Well, yeah. The reason that we had you on this is kind of a bonus episode, so it's going to release this week along with um, the the content that we'll normally release. We got two really great interviews this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason that we wanted to have you on is so that you could talk a little bit about. Uh, an event that's coming up in what, like a week and a half? Two yeah, uh, so we are about, about 12 days out Come from on. our event. It's called the Unity Block Party. It's put on by my company, Versatile Image. We're a multidisciplinary creative agency, and we work primarily with underserved and underrepresented communities. And what that looks like is uh, two parts of our business where we take on a lot of branding clients that mm-hmm. are underserved and underrepresented communities where we help them with their branding, their logo, their messaging, kind of like their marketing strategy, things of that nature. And then we still take on like really big clients like Netflix, Nike, US Open. Come on now. Um, We even work with some local ones, Lululemon, Mm. um, the Utah Black Chamber is one of our our, uh, clients. And we bring on black and brown designers to be a part of those projects so Mm, that they can build their portfolio. So we're multifaceted in that way where we're not just profit driven. It's Mm -hmm. more socially impact, uh, more awareness that um, there's just not a lot of representation when it comes to media. Mm-hmm. And how people see black bodies right. is controlled by advertising and marketing companies. Mm. And there's not a lot of black ones that are out there. So, mm. yeah, that's a little bit about okay. our, my company. Um, okay. Our block party. Oh, my God. I'm freaking yeah, out. This is what y'all need to listen to. This. Like, tell us how I long know. it's been I'm around. I'm so excited. Okay. So, we just created this brand recently. Mm-hmm. Um, the first two that we had, it was at the height of George Floyd, 2020. Mm-hmm. Man, we were just sick and tired. We were mm-hmm. like, man, I'm tired of crying. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired mm-hmm. of rallying. We need to do something just to feel a little bit of joy. Mm. And so we got in contact with a traveling memorial that was based out of Portland, Oregon. And I just DM'd them. And I was like, hey, can I do this here? And I was like, yeah, go ahead. Go for it. And we turned it into a whole block party. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. So it. we had music. We had vendors, uh, we had uh, food trucks, and we had people dancing in the street. It was such an inclusive crowd. We had the Mm. University of Utah athletic team come out, and it was just beautiful. We had poetry, and we had singing, and 
it was just a moment that was just like, oh, this feels so good. Mm. And people walked away saying, holy crap, I don't even feel like I'm in Utah. Mm. And I was like, boy, that's what black culture do to you. It, mm-hmm. trans- it transports you right. to somewhere else. Oh, yeah. um, and that's really just how the idea of us doing an annual block party came about because people just kept DMing us like, when y'all gonna have another block party? Mm. And it was super successful for the vendors because we didn't charge anybody. Mm. They just could come set up and, you know, we, we advertised and got as many people there as possible. So it was also beneficial for the black and brown owned businesses that were, that were there. And so we decided, okay, well, let's do another one. And we did, we partnered with Brownie Brownies Brownies, which sadly, Small business had to go out of business mm-hmm. post COVID. They weren't able to keep up with the financials of supporting uh, their staff and just inventory, you know, shipping and stuff like that got really costly. But we had an opportunity to partner with them before they had to depart um, out of the small business community. And that was another success. Uh, people loved that we had an art installation that was community centered. Everybody would. Uh, contribute and and it was just beautiful and so this year we were just like okay everybody wants us to keep doing this thing mm-hmm. and we figured this probably would be a really good opportunity for us to fundraise to support some of the things that we wanted to do sure, as a company yeah. and we we're like let's just do it mm. so we decided to build a brand and we built unity block party mm. and so uh we have a nico mm-hmm. um who is coming and they are a social media phenomenon that mm-hmm. just recently got signed to Columbia Records. Right. I feel like Come on. I booked her right before whew, she's yeah. about to pop. Because right deal. after our event, she's headed to Europe for a wow. tour. I saw that on their Instagram. Oh, wow. my freaking gosh. I, right. like, oh, I love my Imagine. intuition. Where you go before Europe? Holy crap. How did yeah. you book them? And I was like, they are who I originally wanted mm-hmm. uh, when we were planning this event last year. And sadly I had to have surgery. So I had to postpone the mm-hmm. event. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think I had a shot. I was like, man, they got a million followers on on, on Instagram at the time. Mm-hmm. She, they were the only reason I apologize. And Nico's pronouns are they, them. And I'm still learning. I respect that community. Please. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were the only reason why I had a TikTok besides... Black mm, menaces. Period. Okay. Like, I refuse right. to do it. Mm. I heard from Respect. like the army people, like, don't download TikTok on your computer, on your phone. Like, oh, they're yeah. going to get all your data. Oh, and I was like, no, I'm straight. It's right. Fine. They got mine. They had yeah. my data. <laughs> I was born. Right. They you got had it. my data. They, they want to use my credit card. They can they use it. No, for yeah. real. Everything Legit. I own was made in China. These Jordans. Come on. What? Right. These, yeah, these on my feet. Yes, yes. But yeah, you know, I, I, you two were the only reason why I had TikTok on my phone. Um, and so huge fan of you guys, huge, huge fan. Um, and I thought it was way out of my reach. Mm. And then when we came back to the, the, to the table and was like, okay, who are we going to get? And it needs to be big. Mm. I was like, let me just reach out. One more time. <laughs> Just my first time, actually. Oh, I yes. had reached out in my mind. You know oh, okay. how, like, <laughs> it was manifesting. You know how you right. pre- like, build the confidence Mid- and you're like, yeah, I can do it. Right. So mm-hmm. I did ask in my mind. Right. I didn't actually do it, but it was my first time mm. reaching out. And they responded in like an hour. Wow. wow. 
And I was and like, was this, was this just on Instagram or how did yeah. you reach out? So, you know, you know, women, we like forensic accountants on, mm. on, on Instagram. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? So <laughs> I was on their Instagram page and I saw they linked their manager. And I was like, okay, well, mm. oh, let me go on to the manager page. Mm. And so I was like, okay, what emails? So I found the emails and I sent emails to all three mm. <laughs> of the emails to make sure I didn't miss uh-huh. anybody. There you go. Love it. And so the manager responded. But I think that it was just divine um, timing mm. because we literally booked Iniko right when they were actively on a tour within the U.S. Mm. And we booked right when they were about to settle down. That's cool. And take a break. That's cool. Okay. And Love so I, we're so excited. That's yes. perfect. Yeah. So excited. And so which day, what, what's the day? What are the, like, the specific details of the block party? Just so everybody has okay. it in their minds. So the date of the block party is September 16th. Mm-hmm. It's on a Saturday. It's at Library Square downtown. We wanted to make sure that we had that street feel that we've had for the last two years. Mm-hmm. Cutting off the road. Let's get you know, barefoot on the street type mm. situation. <laughs> so it's right there, Library Square. We cut off uh, 200 South. Uh, we have the whole road closures, which is great. great. Uh, we also wanted to make sure it was accessible. UTA is right there. Bus, mm. transit, all mm. that. People could walk to get there. So uh, we're really excited. Starts at 2 p.m. We're going to have vendors. We're going to have food trucks. We have our VIP experience. We have a satellite stage where people uh, can perform poetry. And we have like this drum guy that's coming. Like he Hmm. does drums on like things. I don't know what they call him. I saw him outside of a soccer game. I think it's like road road drummer or something like that on Instagram. I just saw him coming out of a a soccer game the other night. And I was like, yo, come to my my block party. He was like, say less. I'll be there. That's cool. cool. We just want to try to make sure we had a variety of different activities for people to have. We have the Black um, Museum bus that's yep. going to be oh, there. We oh, have okay. Craft Lake City that's going to have their tattoo parlor for kids. Cool. Um, all for kids. Yeah. Because yeah. I sure was going to participate. I'm from Florida, so they say trick, little the kids. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah. So, yeah, I love kids. Um, I have 15 nieces and nephews. Okay. So, very active aunt. So I just wanted to make sure that my babies, because they, you know, six and three, six and four, six and four will be there. Uh, sorry, y'all. I was looking at my fiance. Love and support. Yeah, yeah I, I appreciate love him. You. He's so great. Oh. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to make sure that everybody felt like there was something that they can do at the event. Love and that. that's why we came up with that tagline of discovering the you in community. Hmm. We wanted to make sure that people can see themselves in the environment, that the, the space that they take up. And so we tried to add quite a few things for people to get into. Perfect. I love it. And yep. and just so it's September 16th, 2 p.m. Musicians and Nico will be yeah. there. Black yeah. Genesis. Yeah. Yeah, where do there. where do where does everybody get tickets from? So you want to go to versatileimage.org. You'll be able to um, get tickets from there. We have general admission tickets. We also have VIP experience. Black Menaces will actually be having um, a VIP lounge. And so if you want to be able to have the opportunity to meet them, you definitely want to get a VIP ticket because that's right. where Black Menaces will be. Yes, and use do. our promo code Black Menaces just for the one time. <laughs> one time. One time. One time. 
time. Right. Yeah. We, so we it'd be ten dollars. Right. I gotta get y'all personal flyers and stuff going. That'd be great. But yeah, I am a huge fan of Black Menaces. You guys, I literally stalked them <laughs> on every platform that they're on. <laughs> so I'm super grateful to have this opportunity. What you guys were doing with your platforms um, is just revolutionary. So I just well, want to commit you. y'all being young activists in your own way, doing your damn thing. I'm so thank proud you. of y'all. When I see y'all, y'all post, I'm just like, yeah! <laughs> like, I'm so excited. Thank you, thank yeah, you. Well, we appreciate it. Yes, sure, we do. For sure. And, um, you know, we're excited to come to this event, too, because block parties, that's like, that's a cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, like, the block I mean... Party, that's a big city event where it was like, you couldn't necessarily go to the park or wherever, so you just, you gather you around made your the block and yeah. you made the party where you were at, yeah. so... It's it a is very grassroots for sure. We mm-hmm. wanted to take that approach. Um, I mean, being fortunate to experience Black culture as a first-generation Haitian American, I feel I feel grateful. Mm. Um, being mm. able to have something that unifies us and we can connect and be like, I see you, mm-hmm. and we all know what it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm see. I'm super um, pride prideful and proud of my Haitian heritage absolutely being the first black republic to um, gain independence is right. a huge yeah. mm-hmm. huge huge deal mm-hmm. um, but I'm not going to not acknowledge that I'm super grateful to be able to experience black culture here in America huh. um, the African Americans here really created something beautiful when there were nothing given to be able to create something mm-hmm. and I just I love it. And block parties, I think, is one of those things that culturally um, is that thing that you can just throw together and it just, you don't need a lot. Just turn up. Yeah, you Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Everybody come, they bring a pot of food, they bring water, you know, and you just, it's just a beautiful thing. And we used to do it back in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, actually, and um, block off roads to play kickball and football and and have the music playing, playing basketball and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it makes me feel like I'm back home a little bit. Love That's that. cool. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're excited to participate. Yeah. Um, but we want to talk more about, like, your, your Haitian heritage and, yeah. and, you know, just kind of what it was like growing up in Florida as a first-generation uh, Haitian-American. Tell us a little bit about, like, what that was like. It was not nice. <laughs> it was okay. not good. Um, you know, I think, uh, as the racial unjust, um, has just been, I guess, really creaming to the top, right. <laughs> you can't hide it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people want to know where you stand with certain things. Um, growing up in Florida was tough. Like, you know, just people knowing that you were Haitian, it was like fighting every day after school. Mm-hmm. And it was, you were literally fighting for your life ever since elementary school all the way till my 10th year, 10th grade year in high school. Mm. It was deadly to be mm. Haitian. Really? Um, okay. I've seen people die wow. fighting either African-Americans or Jamaicans. Um, mm. And people who were from Florida, South Florida specifically, between that time frame, like late 90s, 2000s, knows exactly what I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, it was weird because I didn't understand it. I'm like, this is you, you kind of real dark, just like me. Yeah. <laughs> You're nappy, just like me. Like yeah. it just, it didn't make sense to me. Mm. And so for a long time, I identified as being Haitian. Mm. I never really talked about me being quote unquote black. 
or being African-American, mm. it wasn't a thing for me. I was always Haitian because mm. I couldn't claim to be black or African-American because black people here in America would say, but you not, you from Haiti, mm. go back on your banana boat. Mm. Or like um, they used to tell us to eat cat, that we eat cat, uh, that we did voodoo and, you know, mm. they scared us. They used to call me Matilda. <laughs> Matilda. Oh, no. Matilda, like the movie. Like, job be for, be make for... the titties up here, like you know, uh, these kids are cruel, man. Okay. What was the principal's name? Principal Trumbull is is that right? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, they, uh, you know, it was it was not that mm. enjoyable, I mm. would say, for the most part. But yeah, it is what it is. I had fun, and you know, I got really good at fighting. Mm. <laughs> That's a skill you can never yeah, forget. Yeah, what? Run up on me if you want. Like, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it, it wasn't as pleasant. Um, mm. I didn't really identify or really connect with Black culture until mm. I was older. And how did your connecting to like African-American culture in particular come to be since there was that dissonance growing up? Well, moving over here to Utah definitely helps. Mm. But just being in corporate America... I've been working in corporate America since I was 18. Mm. Um, American Express was my first job. You know, mm. I had a 401k health <laughs> wow. insurance. I was, yeah, I was you said making American like, dream. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like straight out of high school. Wow. Like, you know, and I was supposed to be going to school to be an RN. I, I did the hostel program, graduated at the top of my class, mm. had prerequisites so I could be a registered nurse. And like I was like on that track, because you know. My Haitian parents is like, you either be a, a, a medical doctor, mm-hmm. a lawyer, you know, Caribbean <laughs> folks is like very standard. We all know why they say that because there's good benefits. People yeah. respect you, you mm-hmm. know, longevity with jobs. They just don't want you to struggle. But that's what I was like. I was going to be an RN. That's what I was going to do. And then I started working at American Express. So I was like, hmm, there's this thing called Google. I looked up what the average pay range was after you graduated in nursing, and it was between fourteen and sixteen dollars an hour at that time. Mm. I was making fourteen fifty, so I was like, "Bro, I'm out." <laughs> you think I'm gonna go to school to make less? Nah, yeah, to yeah. make less. I and said by the time, I, right? I was mm. like, "Nah, I'm good." And then there were opportunities to grow, you know, to go up in the company. And I was like, by the time I'm four years in. I could be making between $21 and $25 an hour, which is mm-hmm. absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. I was making $28 an hour by the time my Come fourth on. year being there. Wow. And what what what, what were you was this? American Express. Oh, sorry. What year? What oh, it? so I graduated in 2004. Uh-huh. Um, so 2007, 2008, I was making $27 an hour. That's all the dollar to make right now. That's all the dollar to make right now. That's own a house money in you know 2008. Yeah. And just being like, what, 24, 25 right. years old, yeah. making that much money. That's phenomenal. I, I, I was doing good. Right. So, yeah, that that's kind of like how mm. I started in corporate America. And you realize the barriers that are there. Mm-hmm. Number one, being young. Sometimes mm-hmm. people just don't respect you being young. That's a fact. Number two, being a woman. Mm-hmm. And then you want to add on the fact that I'm an immigrant where people mm-hmm. think you're incompetent, that mm-hmm. you don't have an education, mm-hmm. that you're like starving for whoever, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever they, they think in their mind. Mm-hmm. And then you add on the fact that you're black. It started to settle in for me when I uh, transitioned from um, American Express. My family owned a grocery store. I quit my job at American Express. We opened up a store. I quit so I can run it full time. 
And the recession hit in 2008, right after we bought it. Mm, Going into banks, having good credit, making what I was making for two years, you know, for like four, four and a half years, I couldn't get approved for a loan. I couldn't get any credit, business credit. I couldn't do anything outside of manipulating numbers to or trying to get inventory from places that was cheaper to be mm. able to widen my profit margin. Um, that's wild. And that's when I started to see the biases in race, gender. Um, yeah. So mm. that's when it started to settle in. Corporate yeah. America definitely lets you know that you're black. Mm. And then when you start to venture out to entrepreneurship, small business owning, um, you realize the biases that are there too. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That makes sense. So oh, we're going to say something. Okay. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask, um, you mentioned that corporate America just lets you know you're black, right? I, I love that statement. That's mm-hmm. so interesting. Cause it's just, it's very matter of fact, mm. but it's very true. Um, what, you know, what are some experiences that you had, you know, like you mentioned the difficulty getting loans, um, and you mentioned, you know, some of those things, but like, what were some other experiences that you had that just kind of let you know in that moment, mm. oh, they don't see me the same, like mm. I'm different. Mm. Yeah. They know it and they want me to know it. Oh, yeah. To connect the answer, right? Um, <laughs> gosh, okay. Um, as a woman, I cannot hide my body type. Mm. So it started there first because it's what they can see. Mm. Right. So there were instances where I could wear something and it be, uh, too, I'm too curvaceous Mm. or it's too revealing. And it's not like it's super tight. Mm -hmm. It's like, I got some pants on, baby. I got it. You know what I'm saying? I got some extra right there. (laughs) I got some hips and stuff like that. But someone else who is, um, of the opposite race could wear the same exact thing because they don't have my shape. It, it's completely different. No mm. problems whatsoever. No problems right. whatsoever. Mm. The same person could be wearing a sundress that's see-through and have a thong on mm. and everybody is talking about it in the office mm-hmm. and nothing is said. Mm. Recently, at my time at a, at a financial institution, when I crossed over from Fort Lauderdale here to Utah, I have been called the Negro banker. Mm. I have been called the colored girl, the black lady. Um, by who, may I ask? By customers. Wow. By coworker. My coworker, one of my coworkers came and touched my hair Boy. when I wore it out for the first time. Like these, like statistical Uh kind of like stereotypical situations Mm -hmm. that happen to all black people Mm. is it like you name it Mm. i was at the farmer's market i didn't even live here a man walked up to me speaking an african dialect i was like whoa a a white man (laughs) Yes. Man, you know. But, man, I just you're right, my bad, sure. my bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. You're right. You know, for, for the listeners. Forgive you know, me, for forgive the me. listeners. Forgive <laughs> me. Just want to clarify. Yeah, it's not like there's not countless dialects in right, a continent. Right. Yeah, the biggest so one he of the came, world. He walked up to me and started speaking an African dialect, and I was like, whoa, like, wait. 
hold mm-hmm. on here. Wait a second. You, you know, it's not like I'm wearing on. no robe or no no scarf or earrings or you didn't right. see that. just nothing. Yeah. No indication. Yeah. But it was okay though because he served the mission there and mm-hmm. I resembled the people and he loved the food and and he seemed very shocked that I was not from South Africa and I was like, sir. I'm from South Florida. That's as close as we can <laughs> get. South. <laughs> like, you know, right. and I was like, Haitian people, they say we originate from West Africa. So, you know, they're my ancestry. That's mm-hmm. that's factual. Um, but yeah, sir, I'm from South Florida. Mm-hmm. I don't know right. what you're talking about. You've been closer to Africa than I have. Yes, right. Congratulations. Right. You Thank are you. now <laughs> an ally. <laughs> but oh, you man. know, so yeah, those are some of the experiences mm. that I have had. Um, I won't go into like just also being in finance, which is yeah. my um, my realm for my career, day job, there's a lot of uh, white men that get very intimidated mm. by just if you're black and you happen to know some of the things that they know, mm-hmm. it's like, whoa, where did you get that information from? And you can like simplify it because sometimes people talk like they're too smart. And it's mm-hmm. just like, sir, it's not that complicated, actually. That. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. just just tell the people what you're really trying right. to say, like mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I've dealt with a lot of male ego, um, patriarchy. Uh, don't ask the person directly any questions. Go to your direct manager. But he just asked me the question. What? Like, I forgot the answer, so I'm gonna just reach out and just tell them. Mm-hmm. Like, no, 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 no. I'll I'll get the information to them. Like, what? Right. Then why do why do these managers make um, visits to the office if mm-hmm. you can't talk to them and right. they just come and say hello because they just need to come and say hello? Mm. So yeah, just a lot of a lot of those things. Okay. And do you feel like that has been a a similar experience in navigating the world as an entrepreneur as well? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's so sad. Um, one of the things that I realized that I had to myself reckon with the idea of identifying as African-American or Black Lives Matter, you know, whole movement um, was when you realize like all white people see you the same. Mm. Um, Mm. First glance, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's um, they have their biases in their minds, just like us as black people have biases, sure. rightfully so, of white people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but uh, the fact that white people choose to act on their biases mm. is what is an issue. You know, and so I realized that honestly, we all in the same boat. To be honest, um, and I had to have a, a honest conversation with myself. And I think it wasn't anything negative, I would say, is because, I mean, I grew up Asian. I'm right. sorry that Black people didn't accept me as right. being uh, a Black person. They saw me as Haitian. So I saw myself as Haitian for a really sure. long time until they started eating glue and, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy, like, you know what I mean? Right. They loved the food. And then all of a sudden, women started loving the men. And mm. then, like, you know, it became... Uh, more acceptable in Black culture. Uh, I think what people don't understand is that Black black culture really does shape the world because oh, until Black people said, oh, them zones, they straight. Everybody was like, okay, yeah, I guess Asians are cool now. Like, right. I was like, well, thanks. Thank you for inducting us into Black right. culture. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things where white people see us all the same. Mm. Um, it's an unfortunate fact. 
I think sometimes I, as a first-generation Haitian-American, can get away with a lot more than just a traditional like African-American. Mm. Because <clears throat> the country that I come from, they're like, oh, my God, it's so bad there. Like, immigrants mm. get, like, an added, like, buffer Interesting. when okay. you find Maybe. out that they're not just, like, Black or African-American. They find out, oh, no, you're from a third world country. Okay, okay, okay. So you're the exception. Right. You mm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's so many layers to being Black in America. Mm. It's, it's tiring. It's a fact. <laughs> it's tiring. And what do you think has been the number one thing that's helped you? Because obviously you came from South Florida. Yeah. South Florida and Salt Lake City are largely different in the racial demographics specifically. Yeah. So what do you think has been like the biggest helping stone or help for you as a black Haitian American woman coming to Salt Lake City, a very much wider Man, space? Let me tell you, I took for granted my black people. Did you. And I did too. <laughs> took them oh, for granted. Man. I was like, damn, I don't see nobody else. <laughs> like, you know, I was the only black person I saw most of the time. And that was when I was looking at myself in the mirror on the way mm-hmm. out to work. Mm. And that was something where I was like, holy crap. Mm. Like, I didn't expect to feel this way. I didn't expect to feel like this desire or need mm. to like, when I see somebody, it's like, oh, whoa, whoa. That green, that green <laughs> come real quick. <laughs> like, is that a black person? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like Tourette's. Like, you know, like you, you know, when you see the Krispy Kreme light go on. Uh-huh. When I saw a black person across the street and I was like, like I'm turning to go say hi and mm-hmm. like, hey, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, after a while, I realized not everybody likes me like that. Yeah, so everybody. I stopped saying hi to every single person, or mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. yeah, you know, they everybody. Gotta the, they gotta pass the nod test now. For me. Like, <laughs> oh, you me. nod, and then they nod back. Then like, you know, okay, okay. You mm-hmm. Our second, uh, second mm-hmm. time I see you, now we gonna be boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're no, like family. Real. We're like right. family. No, I think it's um often discounted that. When you come from a largely like black or black and brown space and you come to a very white space, what I'm from right outside of Dallas and what I didn't realize is you can't you can't expect what you will feel. No. You, you it just happens and you're like, "Wow. Absolutely why do I not. feel like this?" Well, maybe it's because you haven't seen a black person in 3 weeks. Yeah, no, I think it's like psychology, really. The mm-hmm. psyche, the mind is just like what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is a real thing, right? Um I did not expect it at all. I was just like, what the heck is going on? And then it came to the point where I was just like, okay, whoa, wait, am I am I this needy? Mm. Like, do I need external validation? Like subconsciously, I was holding on to my receipts. And when I was walking out of the store back home, I wouldn't care. Like, I'm like, you know, throw away the receipt. But here, subconsciously, mm. I started to hold on to them. Don't know why. Mm, interesting. Like, you know what I mean? I was mm. like, let me hold on to this receipt. Right. You know, it, maybe it's the way people look at you yeah. when you walk mm. in. Or like, I don't know, but they just look at you like they have never seen a black person ever mm. a day in mm. their life. They did it's like they didn't know we existed. It's like, whoa, how does your hair work that way? It's like it's okay to be curious, but don't be walking up on me like you know me, touching right. my hair right. or asking to touch my hair. It's like it's a part of my person. It's a part mm-hmm. of my body. It's not something like, how would you like somebody asking your child 
hey, can I touch your hair? You're going to be like, excuse me, creepy. Yeah. Like, you know, don't touch me. Certain <laughs> things don't translate well. It's just, it's weird. Yeah. Um, well, But yeah, I figured I was like a little neat. I became needy. I was like, dang, I need to see black people mm. or whatnot. So, that's real. Yeah. What really gets me is is the kids, the way the kids look at you. Because you mentioned like people look Come at on. you like they've never seen a black person before, but kids, they look at you like they're afraid because it's like, uh-huh. what is this person? No. Why do they look like that? Why are that they is. a different mm-hmm. color? And it's it just... I feel like that's indicative of the fact that a lot of parents don't expose their Come children on. to anything Come on. like different mm-hmm. at all. You know what I mean? Nope. Come on. Yeah, you know, I, I you know, I got 15 kids, uh, proudly. Uh proud niece, nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. Uh I would say I'm sorry, really quickly, could you just clarify? So you have 15 children that are your own? or 15? Yeah, they're mine. I claim them. But I co-parent with my brothers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when she first brought up to us, I said, wow, 15 like, children? Hey, yeah. I, cool, 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 cool. Because yeah. well, I know somebody. It's popular here in Utah to have 15 kids, oh, right? I, I personally know someone. I worked for them for many years. They have 15 children, all okay. naturally born. Not a yeah, yeah. Adopted, so you know, I, gonna, you know, I, I vicariously lived through my brothers um, and their and their love, uh, their loves of their lives, um, mm-hmm. their wives. But no, I do not have 15 kids of my own. <laughs> but I claim them as mine because mm-hmm. I I love my babies. Um, I'm a proud aunt and I'm super active aunt. Um, so I co-parent with my brothers. Love they that. are not mine. Love that. Um, but I will say that I'm not going to shame parents or people. I think that uh, it's easy, you know, to not expose yourself because um, parents teach their children what they the what they know mm. right and so if they have no interest in having an inclusive um life experience then their children are not going to mm-hmm. white people are not um blind to diversity they know that it just is not in the racial makeup of their communities. Mm. And so they know diversity in a way of, I want my kids to be able to learn how to do uh, sports. What There's so many different types of sports and their kids typically have experienced all types of sports until they're like 12 because they try to figure out which one their kids like. Okay. They know diversity sense. in books and they know diversity in, in, um, education and they know diversity in fruit and vegetables like it's not it's not that complicated fruit is kind of crazy yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not gonna right crazy. Now. this is crazy fruit you know, is kind of crazy like, yeah it, it's not it's not difficult yeah um i think that god has given us a lot of great examples of what diversity looks like in the world and people choose not to engage and yeah. that's a choice mm. and so Talk they choose it. to um not expose their children to certain things because they are not capable of teaching their children. Wow. That's a bar. That is a bar. That's what I believe and stand by. I don't need to have kids to be able to understand that or Mm. what it's like um, because that's a human experience. Wow. I, that you said a word. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting because it's like for all aspects of life, it, it, it largely depends upon intentionality. Will your kids know different than you? Only if you intentionally choose to have them know different than you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, we have to apply that to every every standard of life. And I think 
oftentimes we forget to be intentional about race, gender, patriarchy, sexism, queerness when teaching our kids, but we like to be intentional about other things, right? Like, mm. I want them to have a good education. Mm-hmm. Everybody's intentional about education. Everybody's intentional about these things that they feel like are important, but we ignore Absolutely. the things that still hold large importance yeah. in our day-to-day. Because let's just say if it was y'all were in the middle of nowhere and it was, you know, just a community of just your family or friends and they all happen to be white, great. Mm-hmm. We know cults that exist and have True. existed in life. Right. Mm-hmm. Go do that. Right. But you don't live in a world where it's just you. Mm. And so I'm not saying take your kids to China or take them to Africa or take them to, you know, take them to all these different countries. But it's like books are um, available. Right. You know, mm. and I think one of the things that started to really scare me about Utah when it came to the ideology that they were kind of um, forcing on kids uh was the fact that there were a lot of transplant um uh uh family structures like you have all these uh white mothers and fathers that adopt these black babies from Mm. different countries Mm -hmm. and then i personally had an experience where there was this little haitian girl that i i went to go braid her hair walked into her room and she had nothing that resembled her country who Mm. she was where she come from she didn't even know Haiti was a country. She was eight. Wow. But she was old enough to be wow. able to decide to get baptized, though. Ooh. So it was just like... Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. You know, and it was like, well, do you plan on taking her back to Haiti? Well, you know, it's just so bad there right now. So we, we don't, we're not sure. And I'm like, you're not sure? <laughs> like, yeah. You're not... You're mm-hmm. not sure, or you're you're not gonna try to find out how to in a safe way, right? Yeah, you know, I, I yeah. don't know, man. It's just, mm. it's interesting. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm. It's an interesting dynamic here for sure. And yeah, I love what you said. It's, it's very true that people practice diversity in so many different ways. So many different ways. But we tend to ignore, I guess, the human. The, I don't know if humanistic yeah. is the, yeah, but yeah. like when it comes to like human people, like human beings. Those are the forms of diversity that we tend to stray away from or that mm. we tend to be afraid to engage with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about it in that, that way. Me neither. Yeah. So and I, I just think about it like what you're saying is I remember this little girl, she was probably like four or five. She I'm light skinned. This is very obvious that I'm light skinned. Mm, we're good. Cool. Yeah, everybody knows this. The little girl, because of her lack of intentionality by her parents, had no words to describe me bes- besides night. She's four years old. And in my opinion, if you can tell me a light-skinned person, I look like night, and you don't got no other words for it, I think there has to be another, there has to be some, something else that we got to do. You can tell me what flower that is, but you can't tell me, a black person, that I'm a black person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we have to understand, like, learn yeah, your flowers, yeah. but also maybe learn race, Different too. shades of people. <laughs> It's so interesting to me, man. I I love kids. I really do. Um my one of my nieces was three years old. Mm. Uh in school. They were coloring um portraits of their families, you know, the, how they give you the printout and stuff like that. And all of the crayons were peach. Mm. Mm. And so she Every single rolls crayon? her little hand, three years old, she was about to be four, rolls her little hand and said, um, excuse me, 
Um, I need a brown crayon. Because mm. my family is in peach. Mm. She was three going mm. on four. Good for her. It's wild right? that all the crayons were peach. Like all of you can't. Where do you even get a pack of all peach crayons? <laughs> Them, they're only like two in a box. No, like, that's wild. So this is what I mean by intentionality. Yeah. Because we know that there are only probably two shades that are close to peach mm-hmm. in one box. So in order to have what, let's say fifteen or twenty of them, enough, enough to children. go around, that means you are intentional right. about buying multiple boxes. Mm. So you can have enough crayons to supply right. all the children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, that is something else. Uh, maybe they just custom ordered them off of Amazon. Uh, hey, you know they sell them like that now. They sell Imagine being like that, that intentional too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank I you. Got, can I get a twelve pack of peach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing else, just peach. Not you brown, know, not white. <laughs> no, just peach. I don't know. I, this is me just objectively looking at yeah. things from the outside, looking in. Again, yeah. I don't have the emotional ties of being a mother, carrying a child, birthing them, and wanting to do what's right for your children. Yeah. Um, people get to choose what that is for their kids. I'm not, you know, I'm not finna go and and get a sign in front of somebody's door and mm-hmm. tell them, they, dang, I'll do this. But I will say that when approached with an opportunity to be able to learn, most people are not also receptive mm-hmm. to having those mm-hmm. conversations. Yeah. So it's not that black people expect all white people to know all the intricate details of being black and the experience, but it's like maybe check your ego enough to just stay still for a second mm-hmm. when they're trying to tell you something because mm-hmm. you actually don't know. Mm-hmm. And so you are acting out of ego when you go and try to defend yourself and say you're not the person who did it. My parents didn't own slaves. Baby, if you here and you white, <laughs> somebody up there. Right. <laughs> your cousin, your oh, granny, I don't know somebody, who it was. Right. Somebody. somebody. Mm-hmm. And you know the bad thing about black people is that um, we can't trace our heritage all the way back. They literally mm-hmm. committed ju- genocide where it's literally impossible for black people to try to ch- trace back their mm-hmm. ancestors. Yeah. It stops at a certain point because mm-hmm. those people literally don't exist. Yeah. Right. Alex Haley is one of the like rare exceptions to the rule. You know what you I know? mean? It's just like, yeah, but that's a whole other thing. I ain't debating nothing with no people. That's it's facts. If you want to be delusional, <laughs> mm. you know, that's, that, that's all on you. Yep. But uh, don't say you want to do what's right for your family or mm. for your kids. And don't think that black people in their communities want to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I, you can go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, I think with it, like with educating your kids, whomever, right, is education is so easy. Mm-hmm. And it's so cheap. Facts. It's actually free if you got Google. Facts. And so it's like, with the idea of, you don't have to know everything. I don't expect you to know the in- intricacies of the Black culture in the United States or anywhere else. But I, I do expect the bare minimum, right? And I expect, and I hope that even if you haven't started your own journey of anti-racism or anti-anything, that, and you your kids haven't either, that maybe y'all can do that together, right? Read your own children's anti-racist baby. Read that together. Because maybe you will get something too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it really could be an easy thing. It's simple. 10 minutes out your day. Yeah. That's, you will become now, therefore, better. Absolutely. Well, you know, for me, I'll say, I'll make it even simpler than that. Please. To be honest. Don't pick up no book. 
Mm. Outside of the word of God, because that's what you need. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. You asked me earlier what helps me to stay grounded mm. and been able to help me find my way. It's my my devotion to the Lord, mm. you know. And for me, I feel like, especially with this being a very um, large Christian community, I really don't see a lot of that actually happening. Loving thy neighbor. Come on. You know, because I feel like it's really simple. Self-hate comes out in a lot of different ways. For white people, it comes up as racism in some ways. Hmm. You have to think about the fact that we're all going through an identity crisis, right? Um, whoever decided to found America in the way that they did, did us all an injustice because we did not have a right to choose. White people didn't have a right to choose to whether they were going to be wealthy and, and have slaves. There were people who decided that that's what life was going to be like. Now mm. they chose to participate. Sure. And that's, you know, that's their problem. But for me, I'm just like, okay, let's just say everything's all fair, right? We all ain't have no choice, whatever that case may have been, right? Now, at what point is sacrificing your soul for the idea of this life is worth? Because someone can come and rip out a man or a woman from a black home and drag them from a truck, and it would be acceptable. And then on the other side, white people are saying, well, we value families. Mm. Do you? Mm -hmm. Did you value the family of the black man that's right. hung from the tree? Mm. Or the mother that you ripped, you know, cut the baby out the stomach, like, you know, yeah. or raped the, you know what I'm saying, in front of the kids? Like, mm. do you really have family values? <sighs> How do they not translate to people who don't look like you? Mm. Now, that's really sure. extreme, right? That example. Coming to the present day is like, no, baby, don't ask someone to personally touch their hair. Would you like someone touching your hair? Mm. has nothing to do with that. They black and we're white. You don't even have to bring up race. It's like, that's that person's body. They may not want you touching their hair. You can be curious, but... You don't you don't just walk around asking people can they touch their hair. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, mom. Didn't know. It's like that simple. Mm -hmm. Really that simple. But a lot of times people don't want to look internally. They don't want to see how the things that they've been taught, it's like, holy, it's actually not true. So what I honestly feel like is going on is like white America is having a identity crisis. They've been lied to for hundreds of years, told that they were this, told that they were that. They created systems in place to be able to keep them propped up. And people who chose to participate in that situation are now faced with, okay, do I fight against that or do I continue part to participate because my life is pretty comfortable right now? Mm. And that's what it is. They don't want to look at themselves and say, this is a problem. Maybe I need should I should do something about it, mm. and that's where we are. They don't even, they didn't even got to go read every Black History book and in the book. It's just like leave people alone, <laughs> like yeah. allow people to be able to live their lives, even if it is different than yours. Right? They are not instilling no harm on you. They're not taking no 
quote unquote, like money directly out of your pocket, like just let the funding go to the black people because they, they need it inherently, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. don't be like, oh, well, we don't, <clears throat> you know, we're disadvantaged too as white women. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Like, like, but she missing right. the point. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, all right, sure, right, <laughs> true. Yeah, true. You know what I mean. I'm sick. But I think it's that simple. People really need to start being more introspective and mm. figuring out why does this trigger me? Am I triggered by the fact that it actually bother- bothers me, or is this a societal view that's being pushed on me? And if I don't join the bandwagon, I don't want to seem like the only person not doing it. It's like. Who cares? Mm. Are you going to be authentic and true to yourself? Or are you going to go with the norm? Mm. I love that. Sebastian, you know what this sounds like? Mm. It sounds like number 2A. Well, me and from, from How to Be an Ally, our, our most recent. Which plug, you should go watch our new YouTube video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so just in that video, we talk about how to be an ally. And one of the steps is to accept and acknowledge, or there's two different steps, but there's the step one is to accept that... Um, like there are things that you may be biased about and then step two is to acknowledge those biases and then like figure out how to like break those down um and so yeah with with you talking about being more introspective and just kind of like acknowledging the biases that we have it just kind of plays right into Mm -hmm. that video so just thought i'll put in a quick yeah go check out that video for sure i haven't Mm -hmm. got to that one yet but i'm glad that it's on it's on brand (laughs) we put it up what two days ago yeah, just, oh, just dropped a couple days ago. Yeah. So oh, okay, cool. Okay, so I missed it. Still loyal. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just you know there's there's a lot more love and, and joy in the mm. world that we can experience as a as a human um, body. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, it was disappointing moving here, um, thinking that this was what they called Zion mm-hmm. and. I was going to be wrapped up in the arms of my brothers and sisters. And <laughs> and I had this whole like fairy tale. Oh my gosh, it's going to be great. We all believe the same things. We have the same principles. And then you're know, like, oh. Not quite. I was like, these people over here need Jesus. Yeah, they need Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it was. No, nah, it was. It was hard. It yeah. was a hard reality to mm-hmm. face. Um, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I wrestled a lot with what was going on in 2020 with um, with George Floyd, that whole civil unrest. It was it was disgusting what I saw. Um, it was sad. It was sad. Absolutely. To this day, I have never watched uh, the George Floyd video. Yeah, I have like I, I never went to look at it. I've seen other videos, but for whatever reason, I can never bring it. myself to mm-hmm. watch that one. And so that whole yeah. was it eight minutes forty six seconds or whatever it was nine minutes forty two nine minutes forty two seconds. Yeah, whatever it is, I've never watched the second yeah. of it. I just yeah. couldn't bring myself to do yeah. it. So when they see us was another one that came out. Oh, I can oh, watch yeah. that. I watched the first episode. I watched one episode and I was done. I'm out. Yeah, man, it's just, and then you sit around and and you listen to people play devil advocate to mm-hmm. these situations that are real life for black people. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're literally dying in the street. Like, and you're trying to play what devil's advocate? Yeah, and you're I'm like, cool. let let's play devil's advocate. I'm just, you know, let, you know, I know this is a serious topic, but 
Let, let's play devil's advocate for a second. Mm -hmm. You got the voice. What was his <laughs> All right, <amazing>. Come on. <laughs> Anytime somebody oh, tells me butt, I'm like, all right. It has been a great oh conversation. All right, this time but the butt took me out. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I was like, I was in disbelief. Mm -hmm. I was in disbelief. And I'm not just going to say it was members of the church, but um, mm -hmm. just our white counterparts, man. You know, but I can imagine. Um, I would not want to have that history tied to me either. You know, I I wouldn't want it. I sure don't. I I, I wouldn't want it. I That's get it. Um, but black people also don't want what comes with with us being black mm -hmm. in America. Mm -hmm. So, um, so get over it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, that's what they call us. Call oh, it reparations. If I see another movie about the Boston Tea Party or somewhere in Afghanistan or like if I see another military story mm. about us, our soldiers going out there, I'd be like so quick to be like, get over it. Like mm. we won already. <laughs> <laughs> what do we need to stand up and mm. salute to the flag for? Like it's all done. I'm like we're, right, right. we're good. But um, just just to clarify, that's not to discredit the people who go out and give their oh, lives. Oh yeah, we respect absolutely. them, we love them. Absolutely. But the but whole I'm, idea of like patriotism and salute the flag and you stand for the flag and like yeah, all of that like excessive it's like, nationalism mm -hmm. yeah. and justifying right. atrocities in war and the specific the right. contradictor the contradiction of like don't forget this moment in history, mm -hmm. but forget all the bad moments in history too. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This on both yeah, of them. And, you know, and a lot of times, like, yes, we, we want to give homage to the people that went out and gave their lives. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the times they didn't need to be there in the first place. Right. And it's this idea of American nationalism and, and supremacy, superiority that puts those people in danger in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we want to honor their sacrifice for because sure. they're, they're fighting for something that they believe yeah. in. But absolutely. a lot of times, like, what they're being told to believe in right. and what is actually being perpetrated through war or through whatever is not the same. Right. So. Yeah. And we grieve that you even had to, that you had to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you, we grieve that you now receive trauma yeah. from an experience that you didn't, mm -hmm. yeah. that we could have prevented oh, potentially. Yeah. And the way our veterans are treated. Horribly. 40%. The last time I, I think 40% of veterans yeah. are unhoused people. Mm -mm. People living on the streets. It's terrible. I, I will thank you, Nate, for, for helping me out because I'm just mm -hmm. really talking to <laughs> my besties. Y'all yeah, don't understand. I love the black This is the way we like you. We love a conversation. Yes, right. right. We want you to forget your own camera. Yeah, I was right. like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me retract. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me bring that back. Yeah, okay. I got you. I got you. Absolute respect. I have a lot of family. My brothers who are police officers, um, mm -hmm. armsmen who served in the military. My nephew is about to serve for the military right now. Utmost respect for um, first um, responders. They allow me a comfort at night that honestly, I could never pay them back for because mm -hmm. I'm not jumping in front of no bullet. Mm -hmm. I'm not going over there. I'm just, I ain't built that way. I ain't doing it. Yeah. So for sure, honor and respect to those who choose to um, sacrifice their lives for, mm -hmm. for that comfort that I have every single night mm -hmm. and safety as I'm walking through these streets in America. Um, super, a lot of gratitude, especially with everything that's going on in Haiti right now. It's just like, holy moly. You know, there there's a lot to respect and honor about America and the freedoms that we all experience, whether white or black. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for doing, you know, thank you for clarifying. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of just like coming to my mind now, but even as you, as you talk about your, your nieces and nephews or your nephews 
and you know your, your brothers and relatives who are who are serving as first responders or in the military it kind of reminds me of the fact that the military um and like armed forces a lot of times will exploit black and brown bodies um and tend to recruit like i remember people trying to recruit me into the military in mm-hmm. high school you know and my my advisor put me on a, a technical track didn't put me on a college track there was no reason for her to do that yeah um, but she's just like oh she just assumed i wasn't going to college you know um and then a lot of people tried to like recruit me to the military and things like that and you know luckily for me i had a system that allowed me to to know more about college and be able to go um but there is that too where a lot of uh, black and brown people their only way the only way that they can get a college education is to first go and serve in the military mm-hmm. or the only way out of the situation that they're in is through the military and so you know it can offer a lot of good but then there's also that that gray area or that that dark side as well and then yeah mm-hmm, what I, were you gonna say i was gonna say there's there's always two sides of that mm-hmm. i mean um being a believer there's always two sides of a coin it could be good or it can be bad and we can look at most things that way because that's just how the world is structured Mm -hmm. like life doesn't always stay quote-unquote good um leaves fall off and they and they they are separated from that source of life and Mm -hmm. so they turn brown to someone that could be bad you know Mm -hmm. everything in life has a cycle and so it can be good or bad i would say um with the military specifically I think that there are definitely a lot of benefits um, in serving in the military, especially for young black and brown people. Mm -hmm. It does give them structure. It does give them an opportunity to have access to things that they don't. I don't necessarily think that should be the only uh, option or the primary resource that's being provided. Uh, They should be given an opportunity to see if college is something that they want to choose. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work out, then yeah, go the military route. Um, But, you know, there's a job for everybody. And some people, they have a sense of pride being able to serve in their local community as a police officer in the military. I think that um, anything sometimes I feel that it's really just access to creating generational wealth is the barrier in which I feel we're always kept from, no matter what avenue that is. We know education, college degree helps us to be able to get on the track of making six figures and being able to create a life for yourself and, um, I don't know. There's just so many roadblocks. It almost seems like generational wealth is not something that, um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not just going to say white people, to be honest, want black people to experience, mm. you know, we're Ooh. always starting at zero and we're always fighting for scraps. We never have an opportunity to not know what it's like to operate out of survival mode. And it seems like that's where they want us to stay. Mm-hmm. And that's where the chaos is for us. We can't think past that. And so we're always trying to just get over that that hump and it's good enough because that generation didn't experience it and that generation didn't experience it. So we mm-hmm. measure based on our ancestors, like, oh, we're good where we're at now. But it's just like, we're really not. We still starting from zero though. Mm-hmm. So I think with the military or whether it's education, whether it's a workforce, whether it's, I don't know, creative world, anything, I just feel like generational wealth is that thing that 
or financial literacy that access to really creating options for black and brown um, people is really what it boils down to the economics of it. Absolutely. And it's, it's so, so important. I think, um, you know, we're getting to a place where it, it's people are, are learning more about financial literacy. I think the social media age has really opened that up. But uh, it is something that historically white people have fought very, very much against. You know, yes. if you look at, uh, you know, there have been times where black people had the opportunity to build generational wealth and it was black stripped from them. Yeah, black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's uh, a perfect Rosewood, example. Florida. Where they were literally mm-hmm. there minding their own business, doing their own thing in their own town. And white people invented told a reason. To do ex- they did exactly what they were told exactly to do. Exactly what they were told to do. And the white they people invented a reason. Bootstraps. You said what? I was just saying they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. Yes. For real. Just the as they termino- wanted. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Same terminology that they use all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they went in there and they they burned that place to the ground, literally. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah, in, literally they, bombed it. They killed the women, the men, the children. They raped them. They bombed it and literally. burned it to ashes. And oh. then, you know, there have been other examples like Seneca Village, which used to be what is now Central Park. White people came in, tore the entire thing down and put up a giant park. That used to be a black town. Mm-hmm. I just saw a video today that had it talked about a bunch of other ones. Um, yeah, Rose Florida one, was yeah, one of them. In Florida. Mm-hmm. And there's a few that are like that they they raised to the ground and now they're they're under lakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Lake Mead was one of them. I don't know if that's a conspiracy yeah. or if there's actually a town under Lake Mead. I mean, I guess if somebody's going to pay millions of dollars for them to dry the water and actually do a specimen test to Mm -hmm. see if there are human remains down there, then that's the only way that it would be proven as a hardcore fact. Mm -hmm. But there's other uh, historical uh, references that do point to the fact that there is a large possibility that that is factual. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I think that one of the things that um, I mean, it just upsets me and why I'm not, that's why some, when people, when people come ask me, like, what do you feel about Black Lives Matter? How do you feel about this? Come sit on this panel and talk about this and talk about that. What is your stance on X, Y, and Z? And I'm just like, no, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to continue and continuously talk about historical facts. Like, I'm not going to argue with them. I'm not going to share my point of view. I'm not going to try to give you a different perspective on how to be able to see that even post-slavery, we went to do our own thing and you guys wouldn't allow us to do our own thing. Mm -hmm. You utilize your wives to make false accusations so that you can be cornered in a elevator with a black man and say he looked at you or tried to make an advance and then all of a sudden yeah you know what i mean all of a sudden a whole neighborhood of like wealthy black successful people are now dead Mm -hmm. yeah it's like i i don't know if it's worth having those conversations i feel like it's busy work where it's like as long as we continuously engage in those conversations and not really try to figure out how can we now separate ourselves from this and just like build our own really come together and like let's build little black wall streets all across the country all over again i don't really think it's worth having the conversation because mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't even it, just, it don't matter yeah doesn't matter. Y'all don't want to believe it, even though it's a historical fact. Y'all have made Juneteenth a holiday and think y'all doing something. It's like, <laughs> I'm sick of it. Like, I'm I'm tired of, the, like, the let's just glaze over some stuff. Let's just market it well and 
but let's still celebrate freaking uh, genocide for the indigenous people on Thanksgiving. It's like, bro, don't turn, don't make an indigenous day a holiday and still have Thanksgiving. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. But it's so ingrained into American culture, even black people buy into that crap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Black people still celebrate Thanksgiving. I don't see how. Mm. I don't see it. But it's a way for us to come together. Who bringing a big potato salad? Like, you know, it's like, and I get it, and it's a part of black culture, but it's like, why? Why? Every year they keep us in this calendar of we're gonna celebrate Valentine's Day, Black History Month. We got this holiday that comes for Easter. We're celebrating a bunny. <laughs> for the resurrection of Christ because mm-hmm. our kids need a digestible way to learn about Jesus? No. Mm-hmm. It's because they just want to pony show. You know what I'm saying? Let's keep your eyes, let's keep your mind focused on things that don't even matter. Mm-hmm. So we celebrate all these Labor Day just passed by. Bless. But what do black people do on Labor Day? I was at the Memorial Weekend. Memorial Weekend. A little cookout. You know what I'm saying? A A whole bunch of things that don't matter that buy into white culture. Mm. And it's like, I'm not saying we shouldn't have holidays, but I'm saying that they should be authentic to if you want to spend time with your family, go spend time with your family. Mm. You know, you don't need Thanksgiving to be able to say, let's grab, let's gather some plates of food and come together at grandma house. Yeah. But y'all do know that that was celebrating the slaughter of the indigenous people who, who inherently had this land. And it's like, oh man. But then you tell me you want people to respect you as a black person and not see you as a, a, a like, you know, your color skin, your texture, hair, but here you are celebrating Thanksgiving. It's like it don't it don't make it don't make sense. Mm. And with black people being the the um the consumers that buy so much, we don't own anything. There's just a lot of contradictions out there, man. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to get on board with these movements, and they're just movements. They're not actually moving people to change their lives and what they're doing. You broke. And still want to go vacation. Why? You ain't got no money. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That's a vacation. (laughs) But for real, it's like Christmas is another one that I'm just, oh, it just upsets me. People spend thousands of dollars on Christmas and it's setting people back financially. You already in debt. You can't get ahead because every year you're already preparing in June for December. Mm. And you're not preparing a will, a trust, buying property, something that you can pass on to your kids. But hey, I guess as long as they got their little Easter basket, you know, mm. all is well. And that, that that's why I just be chilling, man. Like, I don't do the whole, you know, white people asking me to come and talk about X, Y, and Z and argue historical facts i'm not doing it i'm mm. also not doing it with black people who let's go say oh the black the white man always holding us down uh sir that's not always the case mm. and don't talk about it be about it be about it you know what i'm saying mm. there's just a lot of contradictions in the world right now i just wish we would just 
focus on our mental health, you know, work on healing our traumas and not just want to be seen by everybody, heard by everybody and just let's just love on each other, man. Let's let's do it in a way where people mm-hmm. can feel encouraged and feel like they can genuinely be themselves no matter what that may be and what that looks like for them. Mm-hmm. That's not our place and position to try to govern someone else's life because that's what white people did to us as black people. Mm-hmm. I love that. And you know what's crazy is that you brought it all back around mm. to the Unity Block Party, Come on. Yeah. where people can go to be themselves, to yeah, just love to on each other. Yeah, to be themselves and just yeah. I hope that resonates with people because yeah. I think um, in the last I would say about two years of my life, I just have really been just coming back to self, man. Just mm. really focusing on my mental health. Um, to be transparent, you know, I I checked myself in and did um, treatments for for depression and anxiety with ketamine. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a beautiful experience. Uh, Next to giving my life over to Christ, it it was the best gift I could have given myself. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I really want people to feel connected to who they are as a person and and just, yeah, discover you and come to the Unity Block Party and have some fun. September 16th, 2 p.m. Meet me there. Versatileimage.org. Versatileimage.org. Black follow me on Instagram. Code. Period. Come on, follow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> follow me on Instagram. <laughs> what's, your, um, what's your ad on Instagram? Versatile image okay. uh, on all platforms. Um, we'll create a TikTok just so we can follow y'all. Period. Come on. <laughs> but Black Menaces, you get, uh, use that code on checkout. You'll mm-hmm. get $10 off. And yeah, make sure you get a VIP ticket though so you can meet them. Right. So. Right. Come share with us. Yeah. Cool. I think that's about all we got. That's so. all we yeah, have. That was a yeah. lot. Yeah. Holy crap. But I you, didn't expect to share that preached, much. Though. You said some words. You, some words. Come right. on. I'm over here feeling edified. And right. I was, was this general conference? Where we <laughs> <laughs> Let me stop. Let me stop. Uh, you know, I was like, one day, am I going to make it up there? I don't think the church going to let me. I teach gospel doctrine in my ward right now, and it's okay. always a good time. I used to get in trouble in gospel doctrine. <laughs> it's I, a good time. <laughs> I used to be teaching the controversial lessons for sure. I used to yeah, get in trouble. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't say that it's controversial. You know what I mean? It's just I have a different walk of life and a different way of thinking. And so, mm-hmm. you know, my job as a teacher is to be able to open your mind and, and hearts to seeing things different ways. Mm. So come to my class. Follow me on Instagram. I'll send you the information. <laughs> love it. All right. Next Saturday, September 16th, 2 p.m versatileimage.org get your tickets at Liberty Square Park Library Square Library Square Park you gonna be the only one at Liberty Park I mean I'm gonna hey yo where y'all at don't find me at Liberty find me at Library Library Square Park downtown yes downtown you'll see us there All right, cool appreciate y'all listening and uh, thank you Michelle for coming on Absolutely. it was wonderful my yes. pleasure thank you, you for having me on listen just a disclaimer to y'all fans listen I know y'all fans are going in okay <laughs> I was having a very fluid conversation here okay <laughs> do not judge me off of everything that I said I'm a very loving and accepting person mm-hmm. shout out to all the parents out there doing their best mm. uh, shout out to our first responders and uh, people who serve in the military I honor and respect y'all thank you for the freedoms and liberties you guys allow me to be able to have so period love that cool well thank you Michelle we out and uh, we'll catch y'all next week Male, we you.
Wow, that was good. There we go. 